Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. My name is Ron Darling. With me is Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy, today we're going to take this show kind of on the road. Every major league team spends half a season away from home, which means 26 players constantly moving between planes, buses, and hotels. All the first-class flights and luxury accommodations lead to some hilarious stories, but the travel can also be a grind, which is why there are some unwritten rules on the road to help keep everyone on the same page. We're going to define those rules today and share a few memories along with former big league pitcher Ryan Dempster. Jimmy, start us at the beginning. What were your first impressions of life on the road? Oh, man, it was a a beautiful thing. Everything's free and catered. You walk in, they have your key ready for you. You get per dim, um, which basically means, well, you think it means free food, but it's free money at least. (laughs) Um, It could be used as plane money for gambling on the back of the planes, or you can actually use it to buy food. Or you give it away. You know what? People always seem to ask for money. And it's like, you know what? I have this free bag of money or this free, uh, you know, little sleeve of money and, you know, give it away to, to somebody and that, that'll just keep the, uh, the beggars away. But it was, it was definitely a new experience, um, you know, walking in, being treated like a first-class citizen, not having to go to the hotel desk uh, to check in and, and wait behind, you know, it, it could be a, a, a line of people and you're waiting down there 15, 20 minutes. You're getting in at two in the morning sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. even later. And there are cookies and treats and water and Gatorade, bananas, all the good stuff. Then there, there, there's another part of it, and that is the nightlife. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and, and, and that's where you have to learn uh, who you are, the attention that you bring, the eyes that are on you. Um, you don't always think that you're noticed, uh, but there are professionals out there. And when I say professionals, I mean that in, in, in every good and bad way. You know, I, what, what I found interesting about traveling the road, are you old enough that you had a roommate when you first came to the major leagues or no? Nope. I was, uh, we, we were solo dolo. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when, when I first started, you had roommates. And it was the worst because a lot of times you'd be hooking up with a person you didn't really know that well, and uh, and their habits are not exactly your habits, um, and it, it was a little uncomfortable. But uh, the, you know, when when we first came to Philadelphia in the '80s, by '86, we were kind of a circus on the road. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. could not wait to 
to be in the same hotel, to go to the same hotel bar, all that kind of stuff. So our hotel um, ended up taking a big conference room and turning that into a private bar, a lounge uh, for the players on the on the 86 Mets so they wouldn't have to go out. It was crazy. It was um, um, It was like the vinyl ropes people had to stand in line to to maybe be chosen to come into the room it <laughs> Rock was, um, oh it was just it was just crazy <laughs> hey um you know you know what i um i was always thinking did you have a pseudonym on the road did you use an alias yes i did yes i did and what was yours so i i eventually went with willie beeman and it was something <laughs> that was given to me <laughs> by <laughs> kevin jordan and you know i i didn't believe in, you know, getting these weird, strange calls and people calling your room, soliciting uh, many things. Um, I remember one time in Baltimore, uh, just being in my room, uh, this was maybe 03 or so, you know, still young before I decided to go with a a, a code name. Uh, I'm, I got a massage. I mean, not a massage. I got a call from a woman wanting to come up and give me a massage. <laughs> and I just thought, I just figured she had the wrong room. I'm like, this this doesn't make any sense. And so I hung up 30 seconds later, my phone rings again. And she's like, you know, you know, running a whole spiel. And you know, this is, this is real. This is what I do. And I would like to come up and give you a massage. I'm like, <laughs> yo, this is weird. And you know, and, and I remember hanging up again and the phone kept ringing. I'm like, I'm not answering it. Cause I don't, I don't know if this is a prank. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, okay, so this, this really happens. And then the, and, and, and that didn't freak me out. It was like, oh, it was kind of like, you know, being broken in like, wow, it finally happened to me. I'm glad I've, you know, I can go to the clubhouse and tell the guys the story. But in New York, uh, we were playing the Mets. I think we were staying at Grand Central, the hotel. Yeah, the like, Grand the, Hyatt there? Yeah, the Grand Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt. And I got a call from High Pitch Eric from the uh, Howard Stern Show. That's right. And I, and I was like, this can't be real. You know, and he, and he was just going on and going on. And asked me for tickets. And I'm like, you know what? This is like the fourth or fifth time I've had a weird call. And, and you know, maybe this is high pitch Eric. It sounds just like him. But I'm switching my name because people should not be able to uh, have access to me this easily. Because who knows when, you know, it's something crazy like a threat or something. So I, I switched over to Willie Beeman. And, uh, you know, I got that my rookie year um, because I was like, Willie, you know, I'm showing up, I'm showing out jewelry, you know, I'm, I'm doing right. my thing, you know. <laughs> so it took a couple of years, but I finally went with Willie Beeman. And uh, I, to this day, well, to, I, I don't use today, I go my regular name. People are not yeah. trying to knock on my door. But until I ended uh, my career in 16, I was Willie Beeman all the time on the road. Well, I wish I'd have known that information. No, I was, uh, <laughs> I used to go as Christian Parker, which was the middle names of both my oldest sons. Because mm. all my family, at least, would know uh, that they could kind of reach me if they had to. Um, yep. Game day, all right? So most ball players I ever played with have no problem sleeping until noon, mm -hmm. uh, getting up, having a little breakfast or whatever. Were you, uh, what, was your, what was your day like on game day? Shoot, no different than any, any other day. I would, you know, depending on the city, obviously. If it was a city that had good shopping and good food, I'm getting up. Around 11, 30, 12, I probably leave around 1, knowing that the bus is at 4. Uh, take a couple hours, uh, go grab something to eat, 
and go shop and literally until the bus came. And <laughs> if I was going to miss the bus, you know, you have to make sure you jump in a, in, in, in a taxi then. It wasn't, it wasn't Uber yet. Uber wasn't yeah, right. yet. <laughs> Sometimes you're running across the street, bags in hand, jumping on a bus, going to the field. That's um, right. <laughs> you know, but it, it was usually just really, it was really relaxed pregame. I didn't, I wasn't superstitious. I'm still not. And, you know, a great city. I'm walking around. Uh, great city was shopping and food. I'm walking and, and buying and trying to find somewhere to eat. And if, you know, we're down south in Miami, then I'll probably get up and go to the beach too. I wasn't afraid to jump in that water, you know, before nice. the game, you know, let that salt hit my body and float <laughs> around a little bit, get me right. And, I, and you know what? I had a pretty, pretty damn good uh, batting average down in Miami. Well, that's pretty funny because uh, today it seems like all the players leave about 12 or 1 o'clock to go to the ballpark. They have their lunch there. They have their dinner. Um, uh, they are kind of like uh, like cage rats, like basketball rats, yes. you know, the gym rats. They're yep. there all day long. I, I was just like you. I, I would take the bus. I wanted to get there as late as I could, get my work in. But um, and, and, and for me, like, I, I didn't see the point of getting there so early. You only have so much brain power to concentrate, to focus on what's going to happen that night. And it's daily. It's every single day. I needed a distraction. And the times, you know, I tried to come to the field early a few times. I would get there and I'm sitting in my clothes, <laughs> looking outside like, man, I could be doing this, I could be doing that. And for me, once I put on my uniform, it was like, it's time to lock in. So I couldn't get there at 12, 1 o'clock, put on a uniform, and then, you know, that brain power starts turning on what's going to happen today during the game. No, I needed to get that information as close to game time as possible, digest it. I, look, I've already thought about it. I've already done my visualizations. I'm good. When I get there, it's time to press play. So hanging out, you know, whether you're doing crossword puzzles, um, you know, training room, eating, lounging, whatever you're doing, that that's great. It just did not work for me. I got a good story for playing for you. So the teams I played on, uh, I mean, there was a 30-30 on it. They were about as crazy yep. as crazy can be. So, And I, I enjoyed every minute of that. You did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we beat Houston in the sixth game of the NLCS. So we're coming back to New York on the plane. And you know as well as I do, the people that travel with the plane, the flight attendants, you get to know everybody because it's like one big family. It's usually the same flight attendants, the same food, all that stuff. Yep. And we were coming back, and I was in the last row. I always sat in the last row of the plane. I was the DJ. So I would take requests. I was playing stuff I liked, and then I would play... Um, at that time, hip-hop was huge, just starting. Mm -hmm. So we're playing a lot of hip-hop. Uh, of course, the country dudes, you got to play their country music every once Absolute. in a while. Yep. <laughs> All Absolute that stuff. For certain. So I'm, I'm going to pitch game one of the World Series, which is in the next day or two days. So I'm sitting in the back playing. I'm just chilling. I've got a, mm -hmm. a Bud Light. I'm relaxing, and I'm watching this plane get destroyed by not only husbands <laughs> on the plane, but also the wives who had come to, to cheer uh, them on. Right. There are seats being ripped out. There's food being thrown. There's champagne sprayed all over the plane. Wow. So anyways, wow. we destroy the plane. We have practice the next day, and Davey Johnson, our manager, comes in, and he's got a bill. And the bill is for, I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 of damage wow. that we did on the plane. So he <laughs> picks up the bill. And he says, listen, this is the damage you guys did on the plane. And you know what I think about this, Bill? And we're all like, oh, we're going to have to share this, whatever. 
he ripped it in half. He goes, you're making plenty of money for this team. Don't worry about it. So exactly, we had a really, exactly. we had a really set the uh, tone. He set the tone for the whole World Series and everything else. It was uh, really fun. Hey, where did you sit on the plane? I sat, uh, well, my first few years, um, I, I kind of sat in the middle back. Um, and then as veteran players started getting traded away, um, that became, uh, you know, my, my, my rise in the hierarchy of, you know, <laughs> plane sitting. So, um, so Harry Callis sat in the back. If you're, if you're walking towards the back of the plane, he sat in the very last row on the really? left hand side. The very, the, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what I said. Well, wow. That's where it was. And no one questioned. I, I remember I asked maybe Scott Rowland, like, like, why is Harry back here? I'm, I mean, I know he's cool. I'm like, I thought he's back there for a conversation to talk. And it was like, that's where he sits. And you don't question it. I mean, <laughs> there, you, you, you let it be. So um, when he was alive, I think I sat two rows ahead of him, you know, just gave him his space. Um, after his passing, that became my row. I sat wow. in the very back left and I just, and I just, and I just took that spot. And, um, you know, it was, it was just like, I was the longest tenured player on a team. And, you know, when Harry was, was there, he was the longest tenured person in the organization. Yeah. And that, that's who seat that was the, the person with the most time, but also more than anything, the most respect, like you respected that seat. When I moved in, I, and I didn't do it immediately. Um, for the first year or two after he passed, I still, I, I moved back one row, but I didn't mm. sit in the very back. Yeah. And eventually I just made my way back there. That's that's one of the coolest stories ever because, I mean, everyone I know who's ever played baseball loves Harry. I mean, he just yep. was – he was um, so Philadelphia, so <laughs> great, all the way. iconic voice, all of that kind of stuff. And that you took – that you felt honored enough to take his seat and sit there. That's really cool. You know, when I first started playing, the, the media guys were like royalty on our plane. So mm -hmm. on regular on planes, usually there's some first class seats, maybe ten or twelve or so, and that's where the coaches sit or whatever. But when I started playing, Ralph Kiner and Bob Murphy, those guys sat in the first class seats. It was wow. um, now nowadays it's not. I travel on the plane every once in a while, and we are the persona non grata. It's like, why are these guys here? <laughs> right. Uh, where do we put them? Right. Let's put them near the door. You know, whatever. Yep. Which is yep. which is cool. You know what I mean? Emergency exit uh, over the wings. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> What's the noisiest part of the plane? So, um, what was your favorite city and favorite hotel? Ooh, favorite city. Um, Miami. I'm just keeping one hundred. You know, Miami yeah. had 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 a lot going on. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the nightlife was great. I, I remember <laughs> it was maybe after my rookie year, um, we were out of it, um, coming down the stretch. Maybe it was my second year, rookie second year. And we have the last three games in Miami. Uh, you have Preston Wilson, oh. um, <laughs> and that crew over there. Um, and let's just say we never made it back to the hotel and yet we found a way to show up the next day, which is something your 86 mess did. I'm sure yeah. a lot of, but it was like, this is what it's like. Like we're out We're you know, we go with the club spaces and I'm walking mm. out at 9am and people are just parking, going to work. And I, 
And a part of me felt guilty. It's like, this is, yeah. this is horrible. Like I'm able to go <laughs> out and party while people have to actually have to get up and work. <laughs> so, exactly. uh, you know, party, I mean, we're on a bridge. We got a car full of a whole bunch of pretty young ladies. And just like, if we don't make it to the club, cause the bridge is up then we're going to party right here on the bridge. That's, that's just what you do in Miami. That's great. Um, and, and, and hotel. Um, I did love the, um, Western Hallandale beach, which mm -hmm. was a, a fantastic hotel. Atlanta was actually pretty good. I, I, it switched names since, but yeah. I liked it because it was in Buckhead and you had um, the mall right across the street. I can't remember if it's the high-end mall. You had Lenox Mall to your right and yeah. Phipps, Phipps Plaza, Phipps. which just comes straight straight across. So for me, I mean, I was in heaven. I had, you know, the Ritz, which the Ritz speaks for itself. And, you know, 300 feet away, I had all the shopping I wanted That's to right. do. So between, between those hotels and the city of Miami, I had a lot of fun. Here, here's a question for you you know you're from the bay area so when you'd go in to play the giants mm -hmm. was that fun or tough because it sometimes it's tough with family it's it, it, it was both it was tough because before they made us buy tickets you just <laughs> borrow tickets from somebody else you know who's right. not using their tickets and you knew where people's family were and we had a lot of California, uh, a lot of California guys. Fortunately for me, they were mostly in SoCal. Mm. So they may get, you know, a handful of, you know, family members of the other California guys, but they all knew I'm from the Bay. We were playing the Giants or uh, the occasional times that we played the A's. Three days before, are you using your tickets? <laughs> That's you know, right. For, you know, for the guys that, that for sure weren't, nope, take all four. And I'm telling Frank, hey, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. Uh, my second year in, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. I would call my mom. Look, I have 20 tickets. I got 25 tickets. I have 15 <laughs> tickets. Yeah. Whoever calls you, you can decide who comes to the game. It doesn't matter. There are three days. I know I for sure have 15 to 20 tickets every day. That's, that's 45 to 60 people, um, <laughs> you know, that, that I'm going to see this weekend. And obviously you have, you have the repeats, uh, brother, sister, mom, dad. But after that, it's like, I'm not dealing with it because it just became too much. I'm writing names down and. The, the, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna be able to make it tonight. Can I do it tomorrow? Like, I'm not doing that. I have to go play a game. Uh, but as far as playing in front of them, I loved every second of it. I wish I performed better. Hit a couple bombs. Well, you know, that's all they come. <laughs> they they, they want to see at least hit one home run. So I, I have right. a couple of those, still some bases, uh, make some plays. And it was always exciting when my high school coach would show up. And it was like, okay, whether I get hit or not, he wants to see me play good defense. If I get on base, he wants to see me steal a bag. So I always took pride, especially when he was there. Obviously, I wanted to get hit, but, you know, hits aren't give me. You're not just going to walk up and fall out of bed getting <laughs> hits. But you have to make the play. And if you yeah. get on base, my job was to steal. That's funny. Um, you know, I never, talking about hotels, and there were a lot of cities uh, that I liked. Pittsburgh was a sleeper city for me. Ooh. I loved Pittsburgh. It's just uh, really down-to-earth people, blue-collar folks. Um, we knew a place that, would stay open after uh, the clubs or bars were closed. And it only had like the waiters and waitresses and chefs from all Pittsburgh would end up at this place, had a jukebox. Um, it was just so much fun. But uh, I never believed in ghosts until I went to Milwaukee. Ooh, the Fister. So Milwaukee, Fister Hotel. Um, I'm not OCD, but I, I always did the same thing when I got to a town. 
I'd unpack my bag. I'd hang all the clothes up. I'd put the things down because I'm I'm a kind of a clean person by nature. So mm-hmm. I like to have everything in order in my room so I know where everything is. And the Fister Hotel, I'd come back after a game, like things would be moved. Uh, it was the craziest thing. Did you ever have any uh, any of those kind of things in the Fister? Uh, you know what? I can't be certain that I did not. <laughs> you know, um, I, and honestly, like I I would hear things. And I would swear like you, like I put something here and it end up somewhere else. And it's like, am, am I tripping or <laughs> did I just forget that I put it there? You know, the middle of the night, you cut off all the lights. You wake up like, why is this bathroom light on? Like, I swear I cut it off. And, you know, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It was it was it was definitely some uh, some some funny stuff going on there. But it made the first two nights were for sure the most uncomfortable nights of, fle- <laughs> of right. sleep you will get. After That's a while, right. you just say, you know, you know, you know what? I I can't even worry about it. Sleep with the TV on, sleep with the lights on, do what you have to do, but just get some rest. Because those first two nights, you you know, you hear about, okay, it's a spooky thing, and you hear a sound, and then your brain starts going, oh my goodness, you know. And then coming up being a kid watching Michael Jackson Thriller, what's coming out the room? What's coming from from underneath the bed? Uh, so the Fister, that I, I'm like you, I I don't believe in ghosts, but I believe in a Fister. <laughs> you know when when um when i used to be on the road i was i think my first six maybe seven years i wasn't married uh of my career so whenever you'd go out i just found it really awkward to say you know i'm a baseball player you know right. i'm a pitcher for the mets like mm-hmm. you didn't want to do that so mm-hmm. i used to make up these stories i don't know if you ever did this i used to make up the stories my favorite one to use was if you met a young lady I would say that I was a defensive back in the Canadian Football League. That was my go-to. Like, oh, because, you know, we all look kind of like athletes, so you can't right. completely kind of fib it. So that was my go-to. I said, yeah, I played defensive back for in the Canadian Football League. Well, one time I was found out in that lie because the, the lady that I was talking to, her brother played in the Canadian Football wow. League, and I, I couldn't Got even him. come up with what. <laughs> I couldn't even come up with uh, what team, you know. She's like, do you play for the Alouettes? And Alouettes, I was like, oh, right. where's the Alouettes? Montreal. And, you know, I could not even come up with it, so she right. she caught me good. So, um, God tr- I know, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm trying to think. If I was always, you know, being, being, being short helps, because um, I can always disguise myself as a student. Yeah. Oh, that's a good you one. Know, yeah, I can always disguise, uh, disguise myself as a student, and I would just here on vacation, and I'm in town for a couple of days, and I'm going, you know, somewhere else. So uh, I, I didn't have the uh, the uh, football thing going. That'd have been a hard sell. I'm five <laughs> seven, you know, one sixty five. Well, what position do you play? You know, uh, you're a little small. You're a little small for anything on the football field. Uh, but you know, being being a student, you know, on vacation, you know, it, it, it worked, especially especially being young. You know, I, I was. 21 when I got caught up to the big league. So I was right in that perfect age of being a student. Did you, um, once you got to be a veteran on your team, cause you're probably like the, the biggest personality on your team, were you in charge of where people sat on the plane? Like if say a rookie came up and he sat in a place that you thought was improper, you'd say, Hey, um, I, I think you should move up a little. Um, I've may have done that once, maybe twice. Okay. And it was just to, you know, make sure they knew the rules of the plane. They sit somewhere and I'm like, hey, you know, you're a little deep. And look, if somebody with more service time than you wants to sit there, you have to move. This it is mm. it isn't even a question. 
if they don't mind, if no one says anything, I don't care. But if someone comes back, like, I don't care if you sat there half the season, if someone comes in, you know what? I want to switch seats for any reason. I don't like sitting in a seat because I'm in a slump or something. I know I just want to switch seats because that's where I want to sit or, you know, the money games back there. I want to get closer to that to hear the conversation. Uh, But, and, and the reason why I didn't go hard because I was that young kid that, you know, I, I got as close as I could to danger without getting in trouble, you know, and, and because of my early success, they let me hang out. I, I still didn't have a seat. You know, I got to hang out. I had to go sit next to the window, but at least I was able to, you know, ear hustle and be part of the conversation and see what was going on, which was very educational because sometimes, you know, they're talking life. Sometimes they're, they're talking uh, politics. Uh, when, we're talking, when we're talking about politics, I mean, of baseball, um, you know, how the front office works, you know, trades and contracts, all things that you don't know until you hear someone who, has experienced that. And now you know what to look forward to when it's maybe your turn or just learning something about life, learning something about the road or just hearing good stories. Yeah. It's, um, it really is educational, uh, life on the road because the, the one thing I found uh, in baseball is that no one can hide who you are. Everyone's going to see it because you're, yep. you're literally living with each other, uh, for six months. So it, it's kind of, you know, the kinder you are, Uh, the better you are, the better teammates you're going to be as you move forward. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Well, Jimmy, we're so lucky. Ryan Dempster is uh, joining us. Ryan, we've been spending most of this time, J-Roll and I, trying to walk the fine line of telling stories from the road. What's one of your favorites? <laughs> What's one of your oh, favorites? Well, we knew this was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Ron, favorite, favorite story on the road. I, man, I got so many. I, I think probably one of my favorite ones that, that I ever had or we ever had was a friend of both of ours, all of ours. Uh, Kevin Millar, um, we uh, we were playing in L.A. We went to the Dodger game, played in the Dodger game, and then Kevin was having a barbecue at the house afterwards, his mom's house, um, out in the hills there in California. And after the barbecue, we were going to go up to Gary Sheffield's house because Garrett Sheff had been traded over to uh, to the Dodgers from the Marlins, and so he was going to host us all for a little you know late night activities. Well. <laughs> Ke- Kevin was very nice, and, and, and you know we appreciate the fact he got us two limos. And the two limos he got, I guess he rented them from Rent-A-Rec or what? But uh, <laughs> because the first limo, uh, one of the limos, the AC went out, and you got to remember this is this is like uh, August in, uh, in steaming LA. hot, steaming oh my hot God. on the four hundred five in traffic, smoke parking lot. Guys are getting out at Kevin's house with his shirts off because we're just sweating bullets, you know. So now we get rid of that limo and we all pile in. And of course, Kevin is such a great teammate. He doesn't, he doesn't want Gary to drive by himself, so he drives in Gary's Porsche up to the hills up there. And <laughs> so now we're all in this one limo and we get to the gates, uh, the Pacific Palisades where, where Chef was living. And, and we, you know, hit the buzzer, you know, beep, bop, bop, beep, and they call up to Gary Sheffield to come pick us up. And all of a sudden, the limo driver starts yelling at us, get out, get out, get out. We're not doing anything wrong, man. And all of a sudden, so we start rifling out, and the limo is on fire. Get out of here. I'm not kidding. At the gate, uh, it is, starts crackling, and we're all piling out. Here comes, you know, the, all these guys are getting out. LeVon Hernandez is getting out. Mike Lowell's getting out. Brad Penny's getting out. We're all getting out, and all of a sudden – Levon forgot his 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 uh his purse his man purse his man satchel purse. Yeah. his purse yeah his purse yeah his purse his purse <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden we all just get out and you just hear this like <laughs> and this thing just bursts oh wow flames. wow yeah. and the best part was Chef came down with his Range Rover we all hopped in we're like all right dude see you later see you later we just, <laughs> we just left the burning limo at the front gate. <laughs> It's not my car. I don't know. I, they, yeah, they, exactly. they offered a ride. I jumped in. I was, that's all I can tell you. Man, so from it, now on, if you guys need limos, you just ask one five. Kevin, Kevin will get you limos. One, one five <laughs> will we'll definitely not be getting me a limo. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, Demp, everybody has their favorite city or cities and reasons why. You can share the reasons why, you know, but yeah. what, what, if, if you could go top three. And, you know, maybe three, three through one, one through three, whichever order, what would they be? And, you know, why? Okay. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave Chicago out of it because that's yeah. for me. That's my home city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, to me, it's just such a great city. Um, number one, I think would be New York. Ooh. Because I don't like to sleep, and when you go to the city that never sleeps, yes, yeah. yes, like, that's the '86 can... Mets, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, Ryan, we have something in common because I'm not a sleeper either. I'm, I'm uh, the four to six hours, maybe tops. It's a pitcher yeah. thing. Yeah, it is. It's a pitcher thing. You know, I was the kind of guy who always was that way. I could stay out, you know, till four in the morning, and then I'd be up bright and early going and getting my jog in. So. That's right. Yeah, I just I just always kind of worked that way, and I think that New York. I just loved I love the um, kind of the anatomy of it. Uh, how do you say that? Anatomy of it all. Like you could you could just be anonymous there, and you could disappear there. Yeah. Um, and, and I would at times. Like I just would be like, you know, the game would end, and it's like I'm not going back to the hotel. I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to end up tonight, and I'm just going to go have fun and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's like you're you're knocking on some door that doesn't look like a door, and the next thing you know, it opens up, and there's a club in the back. You're like, this is great, man. Um, tell me about it. Yeah, I just I just love that. You know, and and it was just and the food. That's right. You know, um, the first thing, the first time I ever went on a road trip when I was with the Marlins and get called up to New York, and the bus pulled up, and I gave my backpack to the clubhouse attendant, and I said, "You put that in my room. I'm going to Times Square." And I just went and I watched dudes playing three card money and wow. you know, I, I was enjoying it all. So I'd say number one, New York. Number two, San, I love San Francisco. Yeah. Oof. Love the city by yeah. the bay. Yeah. It just, it has a lot of kind of the similar aspects in a little bit. Um, but just like, you know, I, I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. So I love that cold sea air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that made me feel like home a little bit, um, you know, and just walking down in the mornings because you'd be on the you know for me i played most of my career on the west or on the east coast or central two hour difference you talk about not sleeping ronnie i'm up at six that's right yeah i remember going kent merker over to the the park there and playing uh you know the the people were in the park there the homeless guys playing um chess for cigarettes i don't even smoke i had to go buy a pack of cigarettes (laughs) if i wanted in the game that's right it was like you know i would go do that so that was probably number two And uh, and number three for me, probably if I had to, you know, pick one, um, Denver. Ooh, I loved I loved Denver. Ooh, I, explain. Know, it was a big city. Uh, I love I love the ballpark. Even though I pitched terrible there, I pitched terrible. <laughs> that ballpark is awesome, and I love the mountains. So mm. you know, when I had a chance anytime to wake up to go for a hike up there, I ended up moving there in my off season, spending uh, you know quite a few years living in Denver. So those are probably my top three right there. Yeah, I just got out of Denver. I, I love that town as well. The only problem you have in Denver now is when you walk from the ballpark to your hotel, there's a pungent aroma that uh, exists in that entire town, and sometimes you get a little headache by the time you get back to your hotel room. But that's all cool, too. I, I, I thought it alleviated headaches, Ron. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, you, and, Ron, you said problem. I was trying to figure out what the ah. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. You know, J-Roll and I were talking about the planes and uh, how the, the people on the planes, the flight attendants, the pilots, uh, uh, people that travel you, whether they're with Delta or another uh, airline, kind of become your family because you see them all year long. And J-Roll and I were talking about where we sat on the plane. I was all the way back on the right-hand side, and I was the DJ with the boombox. J-Roll sat all the way back on the left, which used to be Harry Callis's seat, but when Harry yeah. passed away... J roll like inherited that seat really but where did you mm-hmm. sit on the planes 
Uh, close to the back, um, usually on either the right or left, because I was a card player. Okay. So wherever the yep. card game was at. But it was usually like, you know, probably within about three rows from the back. Um, and I just, I always kind of sat on the left side, same sort of thing on the, uh, you know, if you're looking, or if you're walking down the mm-hmm. aisle towards the back of the plane on the right side, but, but three rows back right there. Um, you're right though. Like, you know, some, some of those, you, they became family flight attendants, Sylvie Menges, who, who, Sylvia, who worked for the, um, the Cubs as our liaison with United. I remember she came up to like one of the very first flights and was like, Hey, fill this out. And I filled out this you know, frequent flyer thing. I didn't even think anything of it because we were flying United. So wow. all of a sudden I retired from baseball. I got like 700,000 air miles. <laughs> thank courtesy of her, you know, so wow. every time like, I take my family, I book like a multi, you know, all five or six of us on the plane. I'm like, text her, like, thank you. That's the plug. <laughs> are on you, you know? That is the plug right there, man. That's yeah. that, 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 that is what's up. So, um, what, and, and, and I guess I'm asking myself also, why is the seat arrangement important though like we, we we talk about it and you know and where we sat and it, it and it's an unwritten thing it, it, no one says why it's important at, at least not in my generation i never understood it. it was just like this is what it was i follow the rules um why do we i guess anyone can take a shot at this why do we put such importance on where someone sits um yeah i think you know the there's things that are earned, you know, and they take a little time to get, you know, in any walk of life. Uh, we talked about New York. You walk into Campagnola's they're up there on, uh, on First Avenue. You walk in, there's somebody sitting at the bar. They're probably from out of town. Then you walk to another table. They're maybe not out of town. Now you start get farther back in the restaurant. There starts to be the locals, mm-hmm. you know, and the regulars. And then all of a sudden, that back corner, there's somebody that somebody's kissing that ring in the back. Corner, that's right. You know? that's right. <laughs> and that's how it works on the plane ride is like, you don't just get, first of all, if you're a rookie, you shouldn't even get to sit down. You should, you should, I know we got flight attendants. So you're going to go get my Getting beer. everybody's beer. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And everybody gives a hard time, right? They always write all oh, the rookies. They shouldn't have to do that. And like all you have to do it is once and not complain about it. And they're not going to ask you again. Now all of a sudden it's like, you're going to dinner. It's like, you're getting invited to dinner. You're getting a nice new suit because you, understood that these guys that were all there before you, you know, busted their tail, like, and, and earned that seat back there. It's not given to you. It's earned. And, and I think that's probably the biggest reason why. I think also, uh, the, the further back you go, the further you're from the coaches and the manager, mm. that's always <laughs> yeah, a good move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Facts for certain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't matter good or bad, win or loss. Like, I'm getting the hell all the way back there. Y'all can have that up there. When times were good, everybody always has, you know, a, a coach that 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 almost had, you know, free admission anywhere. I mean, coaches, managers, they can walk in time they want. But one coach that would hang out for just enough time to let you know he was still cool. He's still down with it. And sure. and and I, I enjoyed it because it was like, you were almost on your best behavior, but you, it was like the cool uncle. Like, I could still get down because he's not going to say nothing, even though he's real good buddies with the manager or the bench coach, third base coach, but he's still cool. Like, he all right. And then he gets to that point. It's like, all right, Phil, it's time for me to check out. And it was like, yo, that I like him. He's cool. And, and you build a, a different type of relationship than just one that's in uniform with them. So I, I, I did like the, the one coach that could come back and hang out, but understood – He's no longer a player. The Sarge, man. Gary Matthews. Yes. He would come back when I was got over the Cubs. He'd come back just like that, just long enough to visit the veteran in the back that was 
carrying the top shelf, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had the good stuff, you know. He wasn't going <laughs> to drink the, the Bud Lights. He was going to come get a nice little glass of something neat from one yeah. of the veteran guys. For He'd sure. hang out for a little bit. He'd talk. He'd pump some dudes up about what a great game they had. He'd pick somebody up who was bad, you know. He'd peek at the card game. He'd tell a couple stories and make you laugh, make you feel good, and then he'd go back up. He was the best, man, the best. Every every team has the same group of kind of coaches. You got the one coach that nobody wants back in the plane. Like get mm-hmm. out of here. You don't belong <laughs> back here. You, you got the you got the really kind of real sweet Christian kind of goody two shoes kind of coach. That's yep. he doesn't want to be back there because he's afraid of the people that are back there. And then you have the coach who probably imbibes a little too much on the plane. And, uh, <laughs> we, I mean, we all have those coaches, right? And you get off the plane and you're saying, oh, man, I wonder if he's going to make it down them stairs. I don't know. Oh, yeah, for certain. For certain. And then you always got a couple players that you wish would go sit up with the coaches. <laughs> for real. <laughs> for real. The, one, the, one, the ones in the back of the plane have enough time to be in the back but always complain you're too loud. Like, bro, like you know what happens back here. Like, if, if that's the case – there is a section in between meeting and coaches where you can go sit happily and rest, sleep, or do whatever you want. But like you, know, I, with music, cards, and it was look, bro. We got a four-hour flight going west. We got a twenty-four-hour flight. When we land, we gonna turn up. So we just starting early. I mean, why, yeah. why spend the extra money to get into the club and and and, and get and get a feel good when we could do it right here on the team? The team is paying for this. That was <laughs> we, that was my best. My <laughs> wife now she. She came on. We did the the flight back after we won in in 2013, and we beat Tampa Bay, and we're going from Tampa back to Boston. And and we got off the plane. She's like, "Man, that was like Las Vegas at 35,000 feet." <laughs> <laughs> For oh, certain, so true. We were also talking, uh, Ryan, about. Uh, we're talking about hotels, and Jimmy and I both had our Fister story. Do you have Oof, a Fister yeah. hotel story? Yeah, absolutely. I went to bed in the Fister. I don't even know why they call it the Fister. It's, you know, I always like to mess with people when I'm spelling stuff out. I say P is in Fister just to mess with them. <laughs> but, uh, I went to bed. I, I was on the suite side, so you know, I had like the tower side, and then you had yep. like the level that was like four or five floors or whatever it was, and that's where a lot of the suites were. And I went to bed. And I set my air conditioning at like 68, 69 degrees. I don't even remember. And I woke up and that thing was frozen. Whoa. Like it was, I could see my breath. Oof. And it was so eerie. And I went over to turn that thing off. And it was as if somebody breathed on the back of my neck. Like there was like this, like of warm air. And it's like, you know, you know, it's freezing in there. They're packing meat in that thing. It is cold. And I'm like, what in the? And I went back under the covers, dude. And I'm like, pulling my thing up here. And <laughs> it's a wrap. They can't. Ghosts can't get you if your feet and your your fingers and your toes are <laughs> under the covers. So <laughs> That's the trick. That's the trick. All right. But I got chills. Hey, it is it is so funny. No one believes in ghosts until they get to the fister. Yeah. Like we we can watch all the ghost stories. We want like whatever, dude. Like there's somebody. Well, you know, have those little wands and stuff. And you go to the fister. And, and every out. man, everything you thought you didn't believe, you now believe. Yeah. Oh you know my how goodness. many dudes? When I was with Chicago, it's ninety <laughs> miles. We'll commute. That's We're right. gonna commute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking when you were, um, uh, Jimmy, you were talking about those guys 
or Ryan, those guys on the team, your teammates, that you would like to push up to the front of the plane. We once had a player, I won't say his name because it's not fair, but he was a really great guy, but a real Christian guy. And he used to sign the baseballs, his name, and then John 316, you know, a Bible passage, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was having a tough year, and he was telling all of us to, to quiet down. He needed to sleep. You know, he needed to get his rest, whatever. And one of the guys on the team said, hey, if you were hitting 316 instead of writing it on the ball, we might have a better shot here. I was asked to be the guy that move up, though, one time. Like somebody told me to get up. You were young. Wow. Yeah, well, I was young, and I was running through a lactose intolerant phase. Oh. <laughs> you know? Hey, this is a true story. So, so we were gas in the plane. Yeah, we were having a family trip, and, the, and it was a family trip, and we were leaving Philly, and the family trip was in Philly at the old. We were playing at the old stadium, and and I I was mad because now my card game was canceled. Like I was single mm. as a young kid at the time, yeah. and all these all the veterans had played the cards, and everybody played cards, all had their wives, and I'm like, this sucks. So <laughs> during the game. I go up inside and pound like uh, I get busted by Charles Johnson pounding chocolate milk before the plane flight, you know. <laughs> and so then, so, then so now shady. there's no That's there's shady. no card game going on. This is the best. There's no card game going on. So I'm laying down. I'm like listening to music. I'm actually gonna take like a, a rare nap on a plane, like the one of five times in my career I ever took a nap. And I'm I'm asleep. But then I got my my stomach. I got gas. You know, like really really bad gas. And I just start letting it out. It's bad gas. And you just you hear all these dudes like. <laughs> And 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 CJ, Rhonda goes, Rhonda goes, man, what is that? And CJ goes, that's down. And, and she goes, no, he's sleeping. And he goes, he's not sleeping. I caught, I caught his ass drinking chocolate milk during the game. He's busting ass. Oh, that's so funny. My goodness, dude. bro! Exactly. Those 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 planes. It, it, I, I it's amazing it. what goes on. Right, man. Oh yeah. man, it, it's amazing what goes on, and it's you know, and it, and it, and it, and it, it, it's it can only happen on a plane. Like it can't happen anywhere else. You're no, two feet from everybody. Like it only yeah. happens on planes. I it's somehow sitting on you know row thirteen seat C today, flying from Chicago to Cincinnati, and just not the same. Yep. It's not the same. You know, they're telling it's me not. to put my tray table up. I'm like, man, like last flight I took in the big leagues, I was riding safety cars, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's Straight right. up. Take off. So. Straight up. Yeah. My, my, my favorite story, Harold Reynolds, who uh, works uh, at the MLB Network. Ryan, you know that. Jay Roll, yeah. you know him. But we were in a, a meeting once. There was a lot of kids in the, in the meeting, like 25, 27, whatever. And one of the kids is telling a story about, you know, I was on this flight, had to go to Atlanta. Uh, I was right in the middle in row 15, and Harold goes, what? He goes, well, I was in the middle seat in row 15. Harold goes, there's 15 rows on a plane? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I've never seen row 15. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's a good one. You, you, know, you, you, you guys are so right. Um, there's things that happen on a plane over the course of six months that that's a big part of the kind of – how close and the kind of team you're going to have at the end of the year because the things on there are things you can't always talk about, but they bring you closer, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think what happens is you it's natural progression. It's like it, it helps build relationships really fast because, yeah. like, you're sitting on this plane, everybody's hanging out, and then you walk to go get something, 
you know, somebody's watching a movie. What are you watching? Oh, you like the you, next thing you know, you find out a lot about guys and, you know, hey, we're going to a city. Are, are you going to you want to come to dinner? Oh, I got yeah. family. Oh, you're your family there. You find out where people are from or where their family's from. And mm-hmm. it really helps connect you a lot. And like, you know, and then you got, you know, you got drinks flowing and everybody's kind of right. opening up and it's music going and it just it, and it's this protective bubble, right? You're floating in the air at thirty five thousand feet. You know, there's nobody taking pictures. There's nobody, you know, there's no fans there to like interject in anything. It's, it's your, you're not in a restaurant where there's other people. It's you, it's you all together. And it's, to me, that's the thing I probably miss the most outside of the actual competition between the white lines is those plane rides. I just, I love them so much and, you know, just an absolute blast and how everybody kind of had their role. This dude brought the music. This dude brought, Xavier and Nady brought a full on, you know, margarita making kit. I mean, this was pro, you know, <laughs> closet, closet Azul with shakers and glass, you know, I mean, you know, like that kind of stuff that you just couldn't duplicate anywhere else. And, you know, it, it was pretty special. Jamie Quirk was one of our coaches, and we used to call him Q, and we would always play Susie Q by Creedence Clearwater Revival, yeah. <laughs> and we'd be, we be screaming on the plane, Jamie Q, uh, over and over yeah. again. It's just, um, it's things that, uh, I, I, I'm with you guys, uh, I, I miss them just as much. It wasn't until uh, later in my career, and I'll end it with this, it wasn't until later in my career, um, and I had been single for the first six, seven years I was in the major leagues, but we had had those family trips. And guys would come on with their families, whatever. And I used to always, like, pick out two or three guys. And I'd say, hey, hey. Shh. And they'd reach down. You know, they'd put their head down. I'd go, hey, I didn't know you were married. <laughs> 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 oh, the sailout game. Oh, oh my would, goodness. They would get oh. so pissed at me. Like, don't say that. Woo, she might hear yeah. you. Those, so. are fight, those, those are fighting words, but you know, <laughs> that, that, and, 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 and my little bow on what you guys said, it, it really hit me just now is the clubhouse is sacred ground, you know, but you still, they're still, and, 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 and yes, you know, the, the visiting guys are great. They're absolutely fantastic, but there are people walking through the clubhouse. You don't know when a reporter or someone's going to be there. So you're still watching what you say and do, but when you get on that airplane, you're out of uniform and you're just you, with your family you're with them so much so you're talking about you know getting to know guys a whole different side that you didn't even know existed because you decided to sit down like you say watch a movie with them you take off the headphones and you're talking in depth like wow like i liked you but i really like you you yep. can be free yeah. you can ex- you can express yourself sometimes you get you in a little trouble but you were open and honest as tight and as, as close as the clubhouse was the plane was probably a hundred times closer when i look back on it and that was Absolutely. because you can be yourself in this bubble. No one judged. We had fun. We loved one another. And when we mm-hmm. got off, we knew we had some butts to kick. Yep. Yeah, I, I just I loved it after you have a, a good game as a pitcher and you grab a cold one and you sit next to your catcher that caught you that day. And yeah, you kind of go over, you go over the pitches and, and you're like, brother, I love you. What a game you called today. I mean, you called that slow curve that was the perfect it was just those are the kind of things that uh, uh, that i'll always miss so i, I one one more to cap yeah. off. i remember taking a plane ride and, you know matt maddox was going for win number 300 against the mets um in, in chicago and uh they brought a right-handed reliever in this guy um <laughs> and, and i and i blew his first chance at 300 wow and and we we're always in the card game together on the plane now we're flying out west and you know we're going to do LA and San Francisco, and 
we get on the plane and, and doggy looks at me, you know, we're getting the cards going, we're dealing for his hand. He just looks over me and goes, I'm pissed off at you. And I was feeling terrible. Yeah, right? Like course, I'm feeling yeah. so bad. And I was like, dog, I, I'm so sorry, man. I cannot believe I blew that 300 win. He goes, Oh, I'll get more wins. It's not that, that I'm not mad about. And I go, what? He goes, I had tea times at San Francisco <laughs> country club. And I had tea times at Olympic club. And now my family's got to come to San Francisco for 300. Uh, messed that up. <laughs> that's funny. Well, he would only end up with 355, I think. So he had a, a few more yeah. wins in him. Yeah. Hey, rules of the road. Unwritten, yep. Jimmy Rollins, Ron Darling. Thank you, Ryan Dempster, for coming on. You're the best. Absolutely, guys. Good to be with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So, Jimmy, I was telling you before that I used to play DJ, and a lot of the guys would bring back uh, their their music that they wanted me to play. Um, an Oakland band, you know this band, En Vogue, was en huge Vogue. when we my were very playing. First concert, really? My very first concert. Really? My very first concert. I love Cindy. I the biggest crush. I'm like, I'm going to marry her one day. <laughs> Boy, she was pretty, wasn't she? I, one, of, one of the ladies from that band, uh, from that group, ended up marrying... Glenn Braggs, I think, who was a baseball player with the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, we we'd play that. We had a lot of new hip hop that no one even knew about because Straw <laughs> was from the hood in L.A. Right, and he knew all right. these guys. Yeah. So we had a lot of that stuff. We had um, the country western stuff. I did not know George Strait and other. I just throw it in there. And this is the funniest part about it. I'm old enough that we had CDs. We were just plopping CDs in there, and I used to get. I had I had a big boombox, and I'd have. Ron, you guys let tape. When you started, you guys still had tape. CDs came a little later. Come on, that yeah, was, Come well, on, keep keep, I, keep it keep it real. Keep it all no, the way one on it. Started out with the tape player in the back. You had to press the pause and and the play <laughs> to time it up. Come I, on now. I, no, I was not the DJ until there were CDs. Gotcha. Like the, okay. the DJ before Fair me enough. was the tape player. Fair enough. And uh, but it it was it was so much fun just playing. Um, music and playing it loud. I used to carry the bag with me with the extra D batteries, you know, those big D batteries that you had to put in there. And that bag weighed a ton. But after a while, you were able to push it off on like a younger guy. You'd say, hey, listen, this bag right here, it's got the D batteries. It's got the Bud Lights. It's got the the cards, uh, the poker chips. You're carrying that, so it, I, it I became to, a little I have, better. I have to carry. I have to carry the damn boombox, like whatever. <laughs> it, like that was me. 
until until a younger player came up. It was just like right. just, I I did my time, you know. Hey, carry this, and you couldn't say no. It could have been a bag of ice, had nothing to do with <laughs> anything. Carry it. You took it on a plane. It's like, man, this is so messed up. But where do you guys want this? You wouldn't need me to take it somewhere. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, so um, if you had only one store to shop in, because we we got from this thing that you love to shop, where would you go? Ooh, wow. Um, you know what? I was heavy on Neiman Marcus. Nice. And then I upgraded to Bergdorf. Whoa. When I found out about uh, Bergdorf, yeah, it, it, it cost it cost a little bit more money. As the names got longer, the more <laughs> the more expensive the stores became. And you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a Louis Vuitton guy when it came when it uh, comes to shoes. I, I still like Louis to yeah. this day. Um, glasses, I'll go Louis and Gucci. Wow. Um, shirts, it would just be you know what caught my eye. Um, in in the early 2000s, Robert Graham used to take care of me, so I was heavy into Robert Graham. It was just the way it was, you know, those shirts and all the designs. And I'm five seven, but I was wearing baggy pants. And I look at myself now like, what were you you already short, dude. Like you don't need to walk around looking like a smurf. But that's but that's what I did. But don't get me wrong, I ha I have my fly stuff, you know, my I call it the Euro fit that fit, you know, yeah. a little more nice and, you know, made me present myself um in 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 in, in, in a much different fashion. But it, it really depend on, you know, where, where we were going at night. So I, I had the style for any occasion and, and it didn't matter. You weren't going to catch me out of pocket. So if you guys want to catch Jimmy shopping, you go to Bergdorf Goodman. It's on 58th <laughs> street and fifth Avenue, New York city on the Southeast corner. He'll be there probably on the third. Bring floor. your wallets, bring your wallets. <laughs> right. After talking about all this road stuff, I think I've learned a few things. One, if I'm going to party in Miami, I'm doing it with you. Um, second, if no I doubt. need to know any shopping tips, I'm going to get them from you. Ron, uh, I keep you fresh, out man. I keep Fist you fresh. Yeah. Well, watch out at the Fister Hotel because someone might take your stuff. And, um, and the most important, I think, out of the show that we got, you ended up sitting in Harry Callis' seat. That, to me, is the coolest thing ever. Unwritten. Jimmy Rollins, Ron Darling, thanks. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian K of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.